When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. An article from ColumbiaUniversity.org entitled Addressing Mental Health in the Black Community, quote, suggests that the Black adult community is 20% more likely to experience serious mental health problems, such as major depressive disorder or generalized anxiety disorder. Additionally, Black emerging adults between the ages of 18 to 25 also experience higher rates of mental health problems and lower rates of mental health service utilization compared to white emerging adults and older Black adults, end quote. Our guest today has created something that is working to address these issues in our community. YOLO Akili Robinson is an award-winning writer, healing justice worker, yogi, and the founder and executive director of BEAM, Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective. BEAM is a national training, movement building, and grant-making institution that is dedicated to the healing, wellness, and liberation of Black and marginalized communities. Their mission is to remove the barriers that Black people experience getting access to or staying connected with emotional health care and healing through education, training, advocacy, and the creative arts. And we are honored to have him with us today. This is our daily story. And I am your host, Ramses Ja. Yolo, welcome to the show. We appreciate your time today, brother. Thank you, Ramses Ja. I'm excited to be here. Yes, sir. All right. So tell us a bit, a bit more about your background. Uh, you know, what, what kind of put you on this path here? Yeah, such a great question I get asked. Um, and I, I think the short answer is, you know, um, I, as, a, as a person, you know, like in the world, as a Black person in this world, what happened to me is, um, you know, I grew up in a community like many of us where I witnessed a lot of distress. I witnessed a lot of folks struggling with not having access to care, not having access to healing. Mm. And when I went to school, to college, which I was the first person in my family to go to college, you know, this whole world opened up for me through learning through social work, to learn through Black studies and women's studies about all these tools and strategies and opportunities for healing that were really kind of denied my folks, to be quite honest. 
And it was through that. And then eventually, like, you know, 15, really 15 years of doing community wellness work, you know, working with black men and boys around um, anti-violence, um, working with um, working around case management, doing reproductive justice work, peer counseling. Through all that time, what happened was I really started to realize that the system had a lot of gaps. And one of those gaps that I really witnessed was not only the inability, the inaccessibility of care, of mental health care, how hard it is to get access to mental health care if you, ha if you have insurance or even if you don't have an insurance, but also recognizing that the people who were doing most of the mental health work in our communities were not necessarily therapists and social workers, I was seeing. I was seeing coaches and teachers and big mamas and community activists really holding the space for all of the distress that was happening without a lot of support, right? Right. And so and after years of witnessing that, I really want to create an institution that could give more skills to those folks who are doing that first immediate crisis response support, you know, um, and then being able to help them support them with getting broader psychological care for folks if needed. Right. So that means when at the barbershop, when at the church, when, um, you know, when at the community center, these things show up, people have different and better skills to be able to show up to support folks than they had necessarily because, Oftentimes, social workers, psychiatrists, and therapists are just not available in our communities immediately, or they're often a different part of the city, or uh, like you know, like that is that is not easily accessible to us. So that was kind of what drove me to kind of create Beam. I wanted to make more tools and skills and build up the capacity of our communities to really heal. Okay, so describe Beam. Describe, you, you know, you mentioned you wanted to create this. Um, like, describe what it is for you know those just now getting acquainted. Yeah. So BEAM is an organization. We have three different buckets of our work, right? The first primary part of our work is training. Our training really is basically built on, we need to train barbers, coaches, teachers, parents, educators, even social workers and counselors on how to respond to mental health distress in Black communities in ways that center dignity, but also are grounded and rooted and help people get into care, right? That is pretty much the crux of what we do. So people come to our trainings, they're like, I'm a coach. There's stuff happening in my school. I don't know what to do. We give them skills and tools. This is what you can do. Here are some strategies that you can actually implement to help ground folks to respond to that mental health distress, but also cultivate everyday wellness for folks in your classroom, whatever that looks like, right? And so that is a big part of the work that we do is really that training and education piece. Um, and we do that across the country. Pre-COVID-19, we were like, you know, in churches, you know, mm -hmm. like rolling up on people wherever we can find folks in community centers doing that work. Right now we're doing it virtual and we're still slowly transitioning back into being in communities, which we're really excited about. So that's the big part. So if you are, if you're just an everyday person, like you're like, hey, look, I'm like, you know, a person who works in community. I work with young, I work with young people, you know what I mean? Or maybe people in my family are struggling. You come to our trainings, we give you tools and some skills and insight that can help you to be able to better support yourselves and other folks. So that's the first part of it, Ramsey okay. John. That's really like the heart and core of what we do. Right. And it's built, like, once again, it's all about building communities that have more healing capacity, right? Social workers and therapists, we need the therapists, we need the psychiatrists, but we also need everybody else to have their kind of build up their weight, if that makes sense, when it comes yeah. to understanding how to take care of themselves and other folks. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The second part of our work is really simple. It's grant making, right? We give our money. We have the Black Parent Support Fund, which is exactly what it sounds like. We give out cash to Black parents who are living with mental illness or who are supporting children who are living with mental conditions. Okay. Because we know that um, struggling with depression, struggling with anxiety, struggling with bipolar is one thing. Struggling with it with your lights off, your car being repossessed, 
your children being hungry is a totally different thing. Yeah. So last year, last year we gave out thirty about thirty five thousand dollars directly in cash to black parents living with mental conditions. Our children who had children living with mental conditions, we're trying to grow that fund to give more money um, because we understand that like economic anxiety is real and it contributes to our distress wherever we are. So mm-hmm. we have that fund and we have other funds like our Southern Healing Support Fund gives money particularly to black folks in the rural South who are doing healing and wellness work. Once again, those people who are doing counseling in church. And getting paid for that. We try to make sure they get paid for their labor, right? Mm-hmm. People who are the barbers who are like educated community, who are the people who are the peers people look to, we want them to have better skills to have understand issues so they can talk about them differently. And so we give a lot of resources to a lot of folks on the ground doing that work. And then our last one, which I'm really proud of, is our, um, our Black Wellness Innovation Fund, which really exciting. We had the Sachs Foundation. Sachs Fifth Avenue gave us like $60,000 to like support this fund. Wow. And so one of the things we've been doing with this fund, we just um, did our Black Birth Wellness Grants, where as many of you probably are already familiar, you know, um, as when it comes to birth rates, birth morta- mortality rates for Black women, for Black children in this country, they're particularly high. And so what we actually did with this grant is we're actually paying for Black women to have birth doulas throughout their birth process to support them with their wellness, right? To help them process what they're experiencing, to advocate for them when they're in the hospital and getting care. So they have that ad- they have that support. And then what we're doing is we're um, paying, paying for that. We're also giving them a wellness honorarium. And then we're going to be writing a paper about what, we, what we're showing and seeing at the, end of, at the intersection of mental health and um, birth care. So that's our work, you know, giving money, doing we do uh, doing training, we do community events as well. A lot of like popping up in community and malls and churches, talking about panels, workshops. But that's the heart of what we do. Okay, very good. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings, that frustrating thing your mom does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. 
Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Today's guest is Yolo Akili Robinson, an award-winning writer, healer, justice worker, yogi, and the founder and executive director of Beam. Now, you mentioned uh, a lot of the training. Uh, How about this? What are some of the stigmas associated with mental health care in the Black community? Yeah, it's a great question. So the first thing I think is important to name is that um, in America, in this country and broadly, there's a lot of deep fear of mental illness, right? A lot of us have this very deep fear of, quote unquote, um, losing control, not being in control of our mental, physical selves, right? Mm-hmm. And so that anxiety and that fear, as well as coupled uh, coupled with the media kind of like representations we see of people living with serious mental illness. Like, you know, when we see people, when we see people in the media who are um, talking about living with schizophrenia or who live with bipolar, we often see extreme examples and there are often ways in which they're made to be either violent or like perceived like all black, all black people living with bipolar or schizophrenia are violent, right? Of course, the literature and research shows us, shows us something very different, that there are a lot of people in our communities who are living with conditions who are almost like are stigmatized into the closet because they're afraid they'll be associated with those extreme stereotypes that we see in the media, right? Mm-hmm. And so that fear that we have around mental illness is something that's been doctored and created over the course of time. And, and we've never had a lot of opportunity to process and talk about what it feels like when you know um, our, our uncle may be living with schizophrenia and hearing voices and talking to himself, right? What does that bring up for us? How's that? The, the shame we might feel, the embarrassment we might feel, the fear we might fear for, for their wellness that makes us think about our own wellness, right? Stigma, a uh, mental health stigma continues to grow because we don't have the conversations about it and we don't process it. But also don't, we, we don't get grounded about what it is, what mental health and illness is, mental illness is versus what the you know hysteria we kind of have in the world around it is, right? Yeah. So that's a really what drives it. And the other piece that drives it, for Black folks, Ramsey Shaw, most of us, our first encounter with the mental health industrial co- complex or system is connected to the prison industrial complex, right? Or uh, the social work system. And so, of course, it's stigmatized. You know, we, we, when, I, when I first started doing trainings, like, you know, going out of Alabama, going to Georgia, and I would talk to people about mental health, they'd be like, when you say that, the first thing I think about is the social worker who took my cousin away. When you say that, the first thing I think about is my friend who got locked up because he had a whole episode and they didn't even give him mental health care. They just took him to jail. Right. So there's so that fear is legitimate and ongoing, because unfortunately, in this country, the prison industrial complex and the mental health industrial complex are like arm in arm. You know, I'm in I'm in L.A. County where the biggest provider of mental health care in quotations is the jail system. Right. So what does that say for like why are why we have hesitance, why we are questioning, why we are uncomfortable? It makes sense, given this ongoing and historical context. Sure, sure. Okay. Those are some great points. I never really considered the connection between uh, healthcare and 
really criminalization is what we're looking at, even though it's we're talking about social work. Oftentimes that's a precursor to, you know, the criminal justice system. So that's that's crazy to think about. Um, so how about this? There's perhaps some signs, some ways that we can kind of get in front of this. What are any of the signs or symptoms that a person might display when they're going through, let's say, a depression or a mental health crisis? Maybe that we can recognize. Yeah. So the first important piece to know is that um, the signs and symptoms of distress look so different for so many different folks, right? Okay. And one of the things that I often get when I do talk about signs and symptoms of distress, for example, when I talk about depression in our communities, and I'll be like, you know, oversleeping, you know, um, like, you know, um, irritability, increased rage, like, you know, like feeling very easily tri triggered or activated. I've talked about that in our communities, and people have literally come up to me and said, YOLO, I thought this was just being Black. Because everywhere in my community, that is almost normalized, that state of distress, which speaks to the quote that you lifted up earlier about the ways in which our communities are, have been and continue to be under higher states of duress um, for, and have been for generations, right? So some of these symptoms become normalized and we don't even recognize they're happening. We're like, oh, we're just used to not getting any sleep. Or I'm used to everybody being irritable and being popping off every once every, really quickly or having disorganized speech or, you know, like all these different symptoms. And so um, to say that piece to paying attention to when someone is what I call dysregulated in your community is important. There are a whole list of signs you can find on our website, beam.community and American Psychological Association has a great resource list as well. But thinking about paying attention to disorganized speech, paying attention to sleep, how you're sleeping, irritability, paying attention to um, you know, mood, if you see drastic mood swings in yourself or in other folks, these are some of the symptoms that you might need, might need to get in care or get support from someone in your community around um, how you're showing up in the world, right? But once again, sometimes those symptoms might not show up. Sometimes we might be very good at masking them, like we're overworking. I work all the time as a way to cope, cope manage my anxiety, right? Or I'm doing something that's considered um, useful to community to manage my depression. So once again, this, this science can be very complicated and nuanced. And that's why it's really important for us to not only build more community where we talk about what's going on within us, but also um, get build up the capacity of our communities to get access to therapists and wellness folks so we can kind of pull back those layers. Now, you, you touched on this a bit earlier, but let's kind of lean into this a bit. So what are some of the, maybe some of the origins of the more common mental health issues in the Black community? That's a great question. So what we call mental illness in mm -hmm. the West has always existed throughout human history and had different names, right? Okay. When we look at the history of mental illness in the quote unquote, in the world, there's always been um, what we call bipolar, schizophrenia. We can see those things existing and just having different frames and understandings. Like when we look to Western Africa, we see the history of people who um, we call in the West living with schizophrenia, showing up in different ways and being um, treated and supported um, in different ways throughout history. So I think it's important to name that like um, mental, what we call mental illness, quote unquote, has always existed in the world, even though it always hasn't been called mental illness, right? Um, when we talk about black communities, we need to recognize that a large part of our distress comes from historical and ongoing trauma, right? We are like, I think about the words of Julie Dash, she said, we are the children, the daughters of those who chose to survive. So we are, literally generations upon generations that have never had access to these um, mental health care in that way. Mm -hmm. And that we've also experienced and continue to experience racism mm -hmm. that 
that shows up in our bodies that we hold in our tension in our bodies? Are we used to cope with food? Are we used to cope with substances? Are we used to cope with all these di different di dimensions of things, right? Ongoing policing, the war on drugs, um, racism, sexism, transphobia, all these things compounded over the course of history, um, intentional poverty that's been created in our communities, right? All these things create the distress that makes, um, that exasperates mental illness and mental health, right? And so we can't look at it as a purely individual level. We have to look at it as a broader systemic, um, systemic structural issue that is created, right? Because my mother didn't have the opportunity to go to a doctor or my grandmother didn't have the opportunity to go to a doctor. So guess what? What she did is she had high blood pressure. She had diabetes because she was using food to cope. My, my auntie was maybe using drugs to cope after she was sexually assaulted. She didn't have access to a therapist to do that, right? So we're thinking about all this legacy of compounded trauma that's showing up in our communities from no opportunity, from very limited opportunities here. Because I think it's important to say we always have had healers in our communities, but sometimes not always access to them. That leads to what we now see is like the increasing levels of distress and duress in our communities around mental illness and mental health, right? And so there are, of course, like, you know, the other genetic factors that can show, we can look at literature and see that, you know, if I'm living with bipolar, my children may have a higher propensity to also exhibit traits or be or live with bipolar. Those things are important too, but we can't dismiss the broader structural realities of what it means to live as a Black person in America and how that contributes to that 20% you talked about from the American Psychological Association and also makes um, living with bipolar, living with schizophrenia, living with depression more and more um, difficult and, more, and, um, and also um, makes your symptoms potentially worse too when you're navigating these things. I, uh, I appreciate that, um, you know, you mentioned earlier how sometimes things shows, show up in our bodies, um, not just, you know, in our minds. And then, of course, you made that breathe a little bit more when you mentioned that, uh, you know, high blood pressure and then, you know, maybe drug abuse responding to like, you know, sexual abuse or something like that. Um, I don't know if I've ever made that connection. Um, let's let's go with that let's let's talk about how our mental health can affect our physical health a bit yeah so um this is one of my one of the things i talk about a lot because as a yoga teacher i'm very clear about the ways in which we hold emotion in our bodies and i think it's very clear it's very prominent in black communities like there is a lot of literature that suggests that black people have higher degrees of what we call somaticization um and so when i say somaticization it is the ways in which i may not be cognizant of my emotion, but but I store my emotion in my body and it shows up in different ways in my body. So for example, I think about the simple way we might know this in our communities. Uh, we might have an uncle, our grandma, our, mom, our mother who's always like, oh, my back hurts or my shoulder's always pained around this time of the year or something. And then you go to a doctor, you know, to a doctor, the doctor's like, there's nothing quote unquote technically medically wrong with that part of your body, mm -hmm. right? And so what we see happening when we talk about somatic practice, talking about yoga practice, is that what happened, well, I'm hoping my shoulder hurts because I got into a car accident that day and something traumatic happened to me and I'm holding that here, right? Or maybe maybe something happened in my family that day where like now I hold my pain in my arms or I hold it in my chest, you know? Because And so now that, that emotion is in my body and I'm holding it in my body because we've also been in this culture pushed out of our bodies as black people, right? We're so used to being policed out of our bodies, to being shamed out of our bodies. And so that disconnection 
contributes to the ways in which our body continues to hold emotion, right? This is a great book called The Body Keeps the Score, which really talks about the ways in which our bodies store all this emotional information, even when we're not cognizant of it. And as a yoga teacher, I can, I've done yoga classes where people will be like, I went through this flow and it was a lot of things I wasn't able to process until I got out and I was like, oh, I was carrying that in my shoulders and I was able to process the things that were blocking me, right? So our bodies are, our bodies are connected to our emotional self, to our spiritual self, to our mental health, and we have to work with them. That's why talk therapy is wonderful, but it can't be the only solution. Because sometimes we got to get into our bodies, whether it's dance, whether it's yoga, whether it's Reiki Ooh. practice. We got to get into our bodies to process what's going on with us and to connect with it, especially when we're so pushed out of them. So um, obviously you have a lot of uh, insightful things to offer people. Um, tell us about Beam's second annual summit with actress Debbie Allen as the keynote speaker. What can folks expect? Yes, I'm excited. So this weekend, Black Healing Remixed is going down. Um, and Black Healing Remix is our mental health and healing summit. We call it a mental health conference with a little more bass. <laughs> and so our, the whole concept of Black Healing Remixed is saying we are taking mental health and healing and we remixing it and making it our own. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like you think about a remix when you hear a different trouble, a different bass, like, you know, a different like that's exactly what we're doing with mental health. Mm -hmm. And so this year um, we're doing a virtual and an in-person component. Right. Because, um, you know, of course, we try to be mindful as we slowly transition out of COVID-19. Right. Um, and so the, what happens on the um, first day is we have these amazing workshops as well as these amazing experiences, right? So we have guided meditations. Like if you want to come through, do a guided meditation, all led by Black folks, right? Actually, the founder of Black Boys Home, which is like a national organization that uh, works with Black men and boys around yoga. He's actually leading the guided meditation, Danny Fluger. And then we have sound baths. People ever never did sound baths? You might people see that you have an opportunity to come there, get your experience. So you can get, have these dynamic healing experiences. You also can come to these workshops to learn some really powerful things, right? So we have a workshop led by Dr. Alan Lipscomb, where he's going to tell you about how do we support our Black family members living with schizophrenia. Here's some things you need to know, right? And here's a Black man who has been doing this work with Black folks with schizophrenia for years. And he's here to train us and teach people. He said, hey, you may not be a therapist, but here's some things you can know about how to support folks, right? So we have those kind of workshops and experiences happening. Um, we have a performance, we have performances and poetry. And then our second day, which is that you mentioned a little bit about this earlier, our second day is our in-person event, which also will be broadcasted. And um, we have a really great panel on masculinity and mental health in the entertainment industry. We have Emil Wilbekin, who's like the former um, managing editor of Vibe and Essence. So he has a lot of knowledge to bring in there. Talk about those connections a lot across time around masculinity and mental health. How we were talking about it 10 years ago, not the same as today, right? right. So we have him and a lot of amazing folks. And then we have Miss um, Debbie Allen, who's our keynote. And we're really thrilled about Miss Debbie Allen because not only is she an iconic figure in Black communities, but she also has always held this space to understand the dance and body movement as a wellness and healing practice, right? As a choreographer, as the founder of the Debbie Allen's Dance Academy, right? Like, you know, like she holds that space. And in addition to that, through her work as a director, 
director from Different World to Grey's Anatomy, she has always spearheaded these really critical conversations around mental health and wellness, whether it was around dating culture, around substance use, all those things in her work. So we're really excited to um, have a conversation with her and her really kind of offer us some wisdom and gems. And so that's what Black Healing Remix is. It's really about taking those conversations, having fun, interaction, dialogue, getting connection to healing. Everybody who registers gets a self-care gift set mailed to you. It's pretty dope. We got a mental health workbook in it. It has also um, a foot soap. We have body souffles. We got some candles in there. A lot of great things donated by Black-owned businesses. So if you want to register, register. It'll get sent in the mail to you. Um, but that's what Black Healing Remix is, just an opportunity for us to bring together community, for us to come together to have conversations about healing, about wellness, learn some tools, learn maybe experience something different, but also have conversation in community. So um, tickets are, we have freedom pricing. So we have free tickets, donation-based tickets and full price tickets. We don't want anybody not to be able to miss it. So if you if you like, I got no money, that's all right. We got you. Come on through, get a free self-care gift set. We got you. Um, so let's do this. Let's drop the... Uh the information on how folks can register, you know, show up at websites. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. So to um, register for the conference, just go to remix.beam.community. Remix.beam.community. People often think there's a .com there. There's not a .com. We are a .community because we are about that life. We are about mm-hmm. community. Okay. <laughs> um, so you can go there and find your tickets, register. You can watch online. We recommend, we've been telling a lot of communities and families, like, hey, if you want to watch one of the panels, put it on your computer and watch it on AirPlay on your TV screen. Get some of your friends around. Just have, have a conversation about what you watch, you know. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram at Yolo Akili, Y-O-L-O-A-K-I-L-I. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the things. And I'd love to connect. This concludes part one of our conversation with Yolo Akili Robinson. Be sure to check back in tomorrow as we showcase part two of this incredible interview. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartMedia app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or Kemba.org slash CV for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. 
We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.